Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Thank you. Very well done. This is terrible. I was told I need to change up the intro a little bit, so we're just going to change it up a little bit. There we go. I am your, I am your host, Brad Hamilton. Brad White Campbell Tweed. Got, <laughs> that's not my name. We got Tommy Johnson coming at us from Iowa. I am Lloyd. No, I'm Exioc still. <laughs> Never introduced himself as Exioc yet. It's still Exioc. <laughs> still Exioc. Still Exioc. We got Tom, Matt Wolf coming from Washington. Uh, California. I play Hirak. California today. Nice. Get right, Brett. He's still He's in been California. California the last, like, yeah, my gosh. Get good. It's like you don't even care. Hey, Alaska's right next to California. I should. Hey, pretend not to know where Jeffrey is. <laughs> hey, where's Jeffrey from? Oh, Jeffrey is from Chicago, and I'm playing Marcus. Ooh, very nice. And we got Casey McCoy coming from Elgin, which is a suburb of Chicago. And what's your address? <laughs> <laughs> Did he just leave the call? No, but I'm thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> there are 150,000 people in Elgin or whatever, so it's a big enough town that I think I'm okay. I think you're okay. We can just say Northwest Suburbs, and that's okay. Just say America for Casey. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I play Mason, the Genasi Barbarian. Beautiful. All right, guys, we got some political unrest to resolve in today's episode, so we're just going to launch right into this Woo-hoo. recap. Last time on Fire and Dice, you guys staged an impromptu coup. The ruler of the aviary, Lord Veritas, turned out to be a very complicated individual whose motives are hidden from his people and tensions arose, but he made the first strike in a fit of rage against all of you for undermining his authority. This proved to be the wrong call for him as the party quickly dismantled his elite guard force in a zero-gravity fight. In the process of the battle, Soli and Runzi, the two impressionable young guards, were being swayed by the adventurers and Veritas, as well as the people in the crowd. Marcus took things a step further in the fight by intentionally cutting off, breaking, and otherwise mutilating the wings of the guards and even Veritas himself. Exioc, late to the fray, took out Veritas with a swift cut to the wing. The beautiful throne room was bloodied in the battle, and the people of the aviary were speechless after the carnage that had just ensued. Minerva came up after the fray had ended and took control of the situation, following the notion to let the people of the aviary see the outside world for the first time in their lives. She led everyone outside, and the problem solvers gave a demonstration of the world with gravity and with magic. As the citizens quickly tired themselves from flapping their wings, everyone went back inside to figure out next steps. But as Exioc was the last to come back inside, he noticed a pair of green eyes looking at him from the ground. The eyes sunk back into the ground and disappeared, and that is where we left off. All right, everybody. I just saw a pair of green eyes. Leaving <laughs> here might be a little bit of treacherous right off the bat. Can I do a nature check just to see if I understand the nature of that? Sure. Come on, smart boy. Uh, it's a smart roll. Um, Twenty-three. You don't have a ton of experience with all the different types of magical creatures that exist here on the plane of Earth, but you've already encountered one creature with glowing green eyes. So. Yep. Probably an Earth elemental. Probably the same one that got Nicky Mub. We don't know if that happened. Where'd they take our good pal? 
Yeah, I think I think first thing we need to search for uh, Veritas. Yeah, I'm fine with that. You guys are walking back through this tunnel. The zero gravity effect has retaken over your bodies, and so now you're pushing, and the Avariel are all flying back in and up through the hole that Minerva had let everybody through. She's standing at the bottom of the base of the hole that's in the ground here and making sure everybody gets through safe. And as you guys come there, she says, oh, I'm sure that if you ask around, someone can direct you to where he's being recuperated. Uh, I believe he's being tended to by the god that took him away. Okay. Um, I think, uh, <clears throat> what are their names? Rumsey and Sully, I think they've been our point men for a bit, so I'll ask them. I'll ask uh, Rumsey. Rumsey, um, right when we finished taking care of uh, Veritas, it looked like a guard took him away. Is there like a a hospital or a medical bay or something you think he would be in? Oh, well, uh, we don't really have a hospital here because people tend to stay pretty darn safe, but I imagine that they probably took him to the home of Lady Gathar. Lady Gathar, huh. She's kind of like the go-to person around here for all sorts of herbal things and seems to know a thing about keeping people uh, healthy and uh, running. And uh, yeah, she's on a uh, floating island that's just uh, over there, actually. Runzi points over to one of the lush green floating islands that is just probably about an eighth of a mile away from the central tower here. And you can't make out a ton of details on it, but it does seem to be very well manicured from where you're at right now. Why don't I uh, say we head over there? I agree. Thanks, Runzi. <laughs> I push um, off in the direction. Oh, yeah, careful no to not go too fast. I fly up there. <laughs> Yeah, and I help it's a little wonky, but too. and it's a little wonky yeah. and it's a little painful, but don't, you make it up. It don't feel good. As the four of you fly towards the uh, island that's floating here, you can see that there is a little, like almost grandmotherly cottage that's been built on the top, and there's a fountain in the center of it, but the water is like in a. Uh, perpetual state of like being kept there there's a little glass dome that's all the way around it just to kind of hold it in place and it's always just gently bouncing off of the walls as it's uh, being contained there and the light plays off of it in really cool ways on the cobblestone that's on the ground here you see there's a little flower garden with a bunch of different colors of uh, rare exotic flowers that you've never seen before there's not a lot of uh per se vegetation here in the elemental plane of earth and so you don't know where these might have come from but they don't look to be native to the plane of earth and you touch down and adjust yourselves on the various things that you can grab onto and push yourselves and float your way over to the front door you see that the guard that had escorted veritas is standing there and he grips his halberd tight and says you are not welcome here Please leave. You can hear his voice cracking, almost starting to break. <laughs> Hi, my name is Hirak. What's your name? My name is Tonner. Hi, Tonner. Um, look, we're really sorry what happened, and we obviously don't want that to continue to happen. We're not here to fight. We're just here to talk to Veritas. You can come in with us if you want. Um, 
We're just going to talk to him. Roll for intimidation. Ooh, uh, that's a one plus six, seven. Natural one? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not taking orders from you. Okay, well, this is going to happen whether you like it or not. Oh, no. I've sworn a vow. I will protect Lord Veritas with my life. And he lowers his halberd. He lowers it, huh? As in, like, in an aggressive stance. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I was like, well, that was easy. <laughs> I want to uh, step forward then and try and go for an intimidation. Just give him a real menacing look. Big boy. It. Can you grab the end of his halberd? That'd be cool. And just yeah. break it. <laughs> well, let's see how no, far no, we get. 17. Yeah. yeah. Okay, and I like to use a homebrew rule where you can use your strength as an alternative base for your modifier instead of charisma. It's the same thing, so. Okay. So you look into his eyes and you can see that they are like quivering with a combination of fear and sadness and like hopelessness at the situation that's going on right now. And he diverts his attention and steps aside and says, do whatever you have to do. What was his name again? I push my way right, right towards the door. His name is Tonner. Uh, thanks, Tonner. As I walk in, <laughs> <laughs> you're the worst. I, I go. Ah, yes, the history books will remember Tonner the Brave. <laughs> uh, so I, I guess, wink at him. I guess we all have to read. Just, just make fun of this guy. I guess we go for go inside. So it's very nicely decorated in here. It looks like whoever is uh, the owner of this place is very artsy and likes to spend her time decorating and redecorating and shuffling things around to make everything look aesthetically pleasing. You see that there are a couple of collections of things on the walls of really old but really well-preserved like little spoons <laughs> that uh, rest in a little collection on the wall. And it's not a huge hut. And there's only one bed here in the main area. And on top of it, you see wrapped up in bandages. And with his little circlet still on his head is High Lord Veritas, wingless and unconscious on the bed. You see, tending to Lord Veritas is an elderly elf. Uh, of Ariel. She, her wings are brown and uh, almost like a dark chocolate color to them where it's warm and inviting and not leathery at all. And you see that they are down and folded and uh, you know elves can live for a long time and she looks like an old person. So you're not quite sure how old she is, but she's pretty old. Mm. And Lady Gathar turns to all of you and like recognizes you because she was one of the people floating around outside and immediately takes a couple of steps back and says, you, you, you're the ones that, that, that did this to hide Lord Veritas. Yep. That's me. But we, we, uh, pose no threat to you. I, I say awkwardly. The condition that Lord Veritas is in is due to his own arrogance and self-righteousness. Oh, mamma mia. You know, our our 
our bird friend here, he could actually help. I, are, are you a skilled healer? I am, yeah. Um, not by, you know, physical means, but more of a magical type. Um, but yeah. Well, he's not leaving the premises. So whatever you're going to do, you're going to have to do it here. I figured. Um, like to do a medicine check? <laughs> fail three medicine checks and kill him. Well, no, he's, I, he's I, I think just he unconscious. Should... He's not making death saves. Uh, yeah, he's stable. I have but an herbalism kit on me. Can I do something with that with some of these plants? Oh, cool. Yeah. Ooh. Give me a nature check. See if you can make some smelling salts. That's a nat 20. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Nat Ooh. 1 to nat 20. Yeah, there we go. Uh, 27 total. Oh. Nice. Beautiful. <clears throat> you go outside, and you don't know what any of these flowers are. But one of them looks like it might be helpful, and you take a whiff of it, and it's like super pungent, and like almost like knocks you back a little bit of how strong the scent is, and you just pluck it and walk back inside, take out your herbalism kit, and extract the pollen from the inside and a little bit of nectar, make a little bit of a tonic, and then you put it under his nose wave it around a little bit and you see he starts squirming around and his eyes gently flutter open i would like to be standing right over him yes yeah, not here. on top of him but like right next to the bed like glaring at his face you see he looks over at you and is like taken aback and then kind of regains his composure and grimaces and turns his head away from you yeah i just kind of raise my eyebrows and smile at him and then i look to uh Hirak to say is, to actually talk to him. Is he like in a full body cast situation? He is like wrapped around his midsection is a clean linen. So it's like he's got a tank top of bandages around him. Oh, okay. Nice. Hey, so like what I usually wear. Um <laughs> Yeah. If and you guys he's are twins. A, yeah, hey, twinsies. Well, one of us yep. is gonna have to change. I uh, know. Uh, <laughs> I uh, I uh, grab his hand and I hold one of his fingers and I put like a little bit of pressure, like pulling it backwards. And I uh, he oh, how does he react? As soon as you do that, he jerks his hand away. Leave me be. Haven't you done enough damage? Can I do a strength tech to see if I still hold on to his hand? Sure. I'm not I'm not very strong, but neither are they. It's a nine minus one, eight. Nine minus two. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, so I just tighten my grip grip a little bit. Um and I look at him while like holding his finger like in the you know as if to like saying I could break this if I wanted to. I don't know if I physically oh. can, but just in that motion. Ooh. And I I would like to pipe up and say, hey, we we saved your life. My people have no hope and no future thanks to you. Look, we get it. I was only doing what was best for my people. C- can't you see that? You are the fulfillment of the prophecy of the deceivers from my ancestors. You have stripped us of everything we hold dear, and you have no one to blame but yourselves for the misery and hardship that is about to befall my people. 
Where is this prophecy written? It has been handed down for generations. Where? It is, it is kept in our sacred vault, the likes of which you will never see. I want to intimidate and say where again. <laughs> <laughs> say it, say right. it, say it. Can I, can I give him advantage because I have his finger? I already rolled an 18. So I don't know if you... Never mind. That's probably good. 21? He actually matched the 21. Oh! So... Can I roll again? <laughs> It's a, it is a stare off. Wow. Um, I said to him, uh, look, Veritas, we know that you know, okay? There's no fooling us. We, even if you do believe in this prophecy, we're not here to blow up your city or anything. What we're here to do is just tell people the truth. You of all people named after such. Should be a harbinger of that, but I guess that you know didn't really go through. We need to find that vault. Give me a persuasion check. Nineteen total. You see, he looks at you long and hard. <laughs> you know when. I saw you and that your wings were broken. I thought to myself, here is a pitiful excuse for a flying creature, one whose most unique quality about him has been stripped away, and now he's nothing. I Look smile. Here I am in the same sorry, pitiful state. What am I? What... What am I without the admiration of my people, my wings, my ancestry? I'm nothing. Everything in my identity is tied up to my past, my history, everything that I've worked for and earned my whole life, gone in the blink of an eye. You can either stand up and help your people in this moment, or you can lay down and be earth elemental bait for us. Ha ha ha. I like that. <laughs> Where did you learn to be so cruel? Hmm. Something you pick up here. You know, actually, he was pretty nice before we got here. <laughs> yeah. I've just been tit for chatting with this man for a while. I'm afraid I need my rest. First, where's the safe? You hear a voice from behind you <clears throat> coming in from another side room say well i i believe i can help with that actually you see a thin wire-haired grade of Ariel, uh fly into the room we never officially properly introduce ourselves uh, i am sakra these are my brothers eris and Ophine. and you see that the other two philosophers fly in they say we've been hiding out here and looking after lord veritas and Though we don't agree with your methods, what you have said is true. We've been trying to convince Lord Veritas of something like this for years now, but none of us have been strong enough to stand up to him. You hear uh, Eris speak up, and he says, Oh, yes, yes, he's quite an intimidating indiv individual. Uh, and, you know, we are more concerned with keeping the status quo. But 
in light of recent events, we have elevated minds enough to see that the progression of our people is the most important thing and not necessarily keeping said status quo. And Ophine now speaks up. And that is the culmination of our purpose here. And it is quite evident to us that Lord Veritas has his own motives. You see Lord Veritas like almost jerks up and like when he says this and okay. he like winces from the pain. Oh, okay. Ver- Veritas says, you traitors. How could you betray me like this? How can, has the world turned against me? What is happening right now? Uh, I'm going to turn to him and say, if you don't close your serpent mouth, I will close it for you. That's an intimidation with advantage. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, because so I'm good. really good at this. Uh, I'm gonna. Can I do the strength thing so I get a plus one instead of a minus one? I'll allow it. Okay, so that is a thirteen. You see, he lays back in bed and doesn't look happy about it. <laughs> uh. Sakura, Eris, and Ophi, that's very kind of you and very, very brave of you. Um, my name is Hirek. Can you take us to this vault now? Gladly. You say, you hear Veritas say, if you take them there, you will be exiled from here under my authority. As Ophine walks <laughs> over, he kind of looks Veritas up and down and rubs his temple a little bit, a little thin wisp of gray hair getting pulled from the scalp. He says, you have no authority anymore. That's heck, right. Heck yeah. Lead the way, Ophis. <laughs> Ophine. Oh, thank sorry. You very much. <laughs> Name's Lloyd. <laughs> uh, that's funny. <laughs> they take you and fly you over to the main central hub area, the main central citadel tower. Over under the second tier where you see the five statues of the previous rulers, the warriors of the Avariel that have been here, that have had their likenesses crafted in marble with gold armor and beautiful gildedness. You see, they go over to the base of every one of these different five statues and they pull out a small box from underneath it you see that they bring them all up to you and say these are the treasures of our people we've kept them hidden and sacred here we use them for ceremonial events when we have to but these are the things that keep us tethered and keep us uh, hoping for a day when we would be able to return back to the world and I know that Veritas had given up on that hope a long time ago, and we were never able to stand up against him, but we we know. We know that there's a possible future for our people here, and I can only say that we were too stubborn and too proud of ourselves, much like Veritas himself, to be able to do anything about it. And honestly, when Minerva came back with tales of the Dao that live just outside of our borders, it seemed like we were trapped here. So, you must understand that our hands were tied in this whole predicament. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Of course. Now, uh, 
that being said, I'm sure Minerva has things to go over with you about that upcoming event, but maybe we can help you out in some way. And they take out the boxes and present them to you one by one. They open up the first one, and this is a long, almost five foot long box that is uh, about six inches thick. And he opens it up, and you see inside there's a gleaming longsword that rests there. And he says, this was one of our founders. He was a mighty warrior, and this blade was crafted by the elven kind. It has not seen the bright of day in millennia, but I'm sure in the right hands that it can do quite some damage. And they close up the box and lay it on the ground. They take out the next one and open it up. And you see inside of this one is a folded up piece of cloth. He takes it out and uh, holds it in his hand. And you see it's a velvety purple uh, with green scrawling all up and down the backside. Uh, and it is a cloak. And he says, <clears throat> We just wear this for ceremonial purposes. But if it has another use outside of that, I'm sure you will find out what it is. They take out the next one. It is a box that is about two feet by two feet by two feet in a cube. And they open it up and inside, resting on a pillow, is a golden gilded harp. Ooh. Convenient. What are you talking about? <laughs> this is the harp of Eris, our first leader. He's the one who founded the aviary. Like you, Eris? I point to the one named Eris. I'm named in his likeness, yes. And he takes it out and says, we t- use this for a ceremonial event once a year, but I'm sure that it would be much better used in your hands, especially since we know that it has certain properties that uh, might be useful. Very cool. I like it. I now, reach for the cloak. <laughs> I, uh, I, I kind of like, I'm holding the, I'm near the box with the sword, and I kind of look at them and I go, now... What are your guys' plans moving on from today? Veritas is subdued. What would you be? Do- what would you have be done with your people? Well, to be honest with you, I have never been much of a leader. This is Ophine speaking. Mm. I don't know what it's like to be in charge or making decisions. In fact, I'm not sure that any of us three are worthy of that position. You see the old three men, the old elves, kind of nod in agreement. And they say, We're so used to taking orders from Veritas and not having our voice heard, but still discussing nonetheless that it seems like anything that we say would just fall on deaf ears. Well, surely, I mean, aren't you, uh, you know, if not official leaders, aren't you uh, heading up all the scholars, the intellectuals? Oh, yes, we're in charge of not only the education district, but also the private masonry building. And in fact, my brother here doesn't seem to prioritize the same things that I do. And he says, hey, you watch your town. I do as much as I can for the masonry district. Oh, no, you don't. You shut up right now. Well, it seems like you three could just do something together. You see, they kind of look between themselves and ponder it for a second and say, Lord Veritas, when he gets better, he's going to hes going to have learned his lesson and he's going to make sure everything is okay again. Oh, I doubt that. Whoa, whoa, 
yeah. I don't know if that's for... That man... That man has lied his whole life. I'm sure that he believes his lies and is probably delusional at this point. Well, now, hold on. Lord Veritas is a very nice man. You've only seen him on one day. We've lived our whole lives with him. And he is a bit stubborn, but we know that there's good inside of him. Yeah, I mean, there's also good in, you know, you see good in those who have Stockholm Syndrome, too. Um, look, is there... Um, you said there was... Are these the three elders that were the other councilmen yeah. before? Or are these just... The, These are the same three guys. Okay, okay. Um, I think that before he gets better, I think that we should put together, you know, some sort of leadership system that's in place um, so that there's not a void where he was, so he could just step back in place. Um, I know you look up to him, but I also think he's also very dangerous. I mean, there's a lot of propaganda, a lot of lying that went up, went on, and I don't know if, you know, if he's have, trustworthy. I do have one question for you. Lord Veritas seemed to know that the outside world and yet Sarah had reformed itself since the Magic War and he knew of the genies. How is it he knew all this, but no one else did? I can only speculate. We know of the genies from Minerva who came back and warned us of their presence. <clears throat> we know of the outside world only in speculation. It's more of a thought process, more of a thought example of going through and thinking about, well, what if the world had restored and we were just being kept here under a delusion and that in fact there was ample time to return home and we've just been staying here the whole time waiting for a prophecy that would never fulfill itself and under that thinking we tried to come up with ideas and plans of what it would be like to leave and none of them ended well for our people and so it seemed to Lord Veritas that it was best just to keep the status quo regardless of any information came through hmm Okay, but you could do that without lying to everyone. <clears throat> well, I would tend to agree with you, obviously. And Lord Veritas thought other otherwise, and so his word goes as his tradition. But I also have one more thing for you. He takes out another box and opens it up, and there is a scroll inside. What's it say? It's written in Celestial. Hey, let me see that. And it is a beautifully gilded piece of parchment that looks very old. When you open it up, it almost falls apart from being so crinkly. And on it, you read out a rough translation of a day will come when people will come to try and deceive you. Do not be deceived. Stand firm. Tradition is everything. Do not forget the way. Hmm. Who is it signed by, if anybody? It is not signed. Hmm. Is there any uh, magic, like magic-looking runes or markings or anything? Is it just that those uh, runes? It's just the just the words. Just the words. But celestial is a very um, 
magic based language anyways so whoever wrote it probably knew magic right if that's the, a consolation yeah but there's not there's some no sort of like magical it's not, it's, horror it's, or anything no nah, there's not like a spell scroll or anything to go with it <laughs> <laughs> Hoping for Bigsby's Bigsby's return. <laughs> Bigsby strikes back. <laughs> I ha- I felt the power in my magic little wispy fingertips, and now I want it back. <laughs> I just anyway. Yeah. Um. um does, do they seem like that's kind of like they're going to be, uh, like that's the extent of their knowledge? They're they're done talking basically. I mean, you can grill them for more information, but okay. they're just fielding questions at this point well i would actually i'll take off take off my black coke cloak and uh and pick up the the purple and green one and uh start tying it around my neck and then i'll be like i do have another question for you uh ophine have you seen a gray beard floating around anywhere (laughs) you hear a voice from behind one of the statues you see Runesy pokes his head out. He'd been hiding behind there. He says, oh, yep, I got that right here, actually. Yes! <laughs> My day is saved! As as uh, as Exeter I, puts on that purple cloak, I kind of give him a look and then look back at the three, and I say, look, we, we really appreciate these gifts, but, I mean, do you just want us to, I mean, take your, like, history? I don't know if, I mean, I... Hey. Don't lick a gift horse in the mouth. I know. I just, I don't want to rob this place of all its artifacts. Like, I think it's time for these people to make their own tradition and history. I think they've been living too much in this one for a while. And then I'd like to rip the celestial scroll. Oh! Oh my goodness! (laughs) (laughs) What? I want. I get my beard. With a flashy tear as Exioc is readjusting his beard, <laughs> you see he rips up this piece of parchment and it floats away in the zero gravity field. You see Sakura, Eris, and Ophine just kind of stare at you, stunned. And Eris speaks up first. What? Why did you do that? That's not an antidote for success. That is a swift destruction waiting to happen. That's that leaving was out. A, a sacred object of our people. That is not a sacred object. That is a delusion in which lets leaders like Veritas lie to all of your people on a daily basis. I have an idea. Um, what was kind of like the script, like like the handwriting, like is there any imperfection to it, like a slant, sloppy, or is it like too good to be true? Like almost as if it's like computer generated. Well, it's in pieces now. <laughs> but beforehand. I'm recalling information that I would have seen it before. Okay, okay. okay. You see it was immaculately scrawled. I try to take a little little snippet, a little ripped piece and put it in my pocket just as a little souvenir. <laughs> All right. No, no one's going to stop you. Uh, so you three, Sakura, Eris, and Ophine, I know you guys aren't, you know, you guys are, aren't want to be leaders and you want to see Veritas back in his place, but I, I really think that either we should hold a, I don't know if like a town meeting or, or something just to put, um, set up some sort of government. 
we have plenty of time to get all of that taken care of while Veritas and the other three gods get restored back to their former selves for the most part, minus the wings. Of, the wings, of yeah. That, that uh, takes a while. Now, and as long as nothing bars our timeline, I don't see any reason to rush this. Uh, okay. Um, okay, I appreciate that. Um, I think that's really smart. I don't think we should, you know, do this hastily. Do you mind if I uh, have a moment with my uh, compatriots? Uh, absolutely. Couldn't stop you if we wanted to. Okay. Um, also, I pick up that golden harp. That, that looked pretty cool. I'll look at it later. Yeah, it's not necessarily for you, per se. but I give it to Mason. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, I, I talk to them. I say, uh, so... What, what do you think we should do? I I mean, I'm happy with putting them three in charge for the time being, and maybe they can set out, you know, sounds like they have a, a craftsman kind of peoples and a, and a scholar people. Maybe they have, you know, they keep each other in check and they have checks and balances. Mm-hmm. See, the one thing I'm missing is we're leaving here, right? We're leaving. Mm-hmm. That's the plan. The way we believe to leave is past the genies. Yeah. How are we doing that part? That's a uh, good question. Maybe we should talk to our uh, our friend Minerva. She seemed to know about him. Yeah. I say these are these gifts will probably help us on the outside of this non-magical field, but... I don't know how well we're going to make it past them. And if we don't make it past them and we have to fight. If we lose, we're here forever. Enslaved. If we win, do we tell them? That's for Mason to decide. cross that bridge when we get there. Noted. Okay, I think we should. Uh, I think we should go find Minerva. I think she's still back at the hole that we came through. Is that right? <clears throat> yeah, she is making sure that everybody made it out, and so you fly back down there, and she is just making her way up and out of the hole, and is kind of using one of the ropes that is holding up one of the floating islands as like a little slingshot to launch her off in the right direction. And she starts flying towards you guys, and she says, "Oh." Hello. <clears throat> Did you get everything taken care of? Yeah, I mean, we got the uh we're we're it's it's getting taken care of present tense. It's not going to be a right now right here thing. Look, Minerva, we need to talk to you about those genies that are out there. Um is- All right, give me a second. You see she like missed her trajectory and she's like flying past you right now. <laughs> can I can I like grab her by the hand and like kind of bring her back? <clears throat> yeah, you can. Oh, well, good catch. God. This is some Charlie Chaplin level of <laughs> comedy going right. on. With that, I'll kind of wiggle my, my beard with my nose, like back and forth. Let out a few coughs of it. <clears throat> now, Minerva, we need to we need to talk about what's coming next because you've mentioned some things and I think if we get some more details about what's ahead, 
then we can make better decisions about what we do right now. Uh, uh, of course, of course. Uh, step into my office. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. She leads you guys back over to the jail cell area. Um, back downstairs. It hasn't been touched since you guys have been here. She goes and sits and lies down on her bed, starts doing some stretches. You see she stands up and twists her torso and you hear her back uh, pops like four times. <laughs> Satisfying. All right. Uh, get it ready for a monologue. When I first got here, I thought to myself, these people just need someone to show them a way out. Unfortunately, the only way I know to get off of this plane is through the dominion of Miro and Klee, the Dao. Even if I could convince them to get out of the aviary, they wouldn't want to leave. And even if they did, there's no way that I can take on these Dao with a few atrophied elves. I thought about causing chaos for a while and mixing things up and perhaps taking a small squad with me, but in the end, the people were happy here and I couldn't provide a better alternative for them. But now that things have been shaken up a little bit, just, just a little bit, we now must press on in the most dignified path and I'm still considering what that might be, but it involves you folk and you lot in some way. Okay, okay. So, tell us more about uh, Klee and Miro. My time with Miro and Klee was brief and terrifying. I had been here on the plane of Earth for about a few weeks and had been scoping out Mount Saizo when I stumbled upon the aviary here. They detained me, obviously, and I escaped no problem. Old story. I shifted to my owl form as I was making my way back to Mount Saizo and found an entrance into their minds. They had various rooms filled with testing equipment and abominations of elemental energy tampering. When I made it into the central chasm area, I saw many of these abominations working away as slaves in the service of the Tao. It was then that deep within the heart of the mountain, I saw it. I saw the rifts, but... It was unstable and explosive, energy crackling in all sorts of directions, but there was large advanced machinery that looked beyond anything that I've ever seen that was being used to harness its energy, to what end I do not know. But it was then that I was discovered. Miro and Klee rose from both sides of the ground and entrapped me. I had to use all of my power just to escape this place, that place, and even so I barely made it out of there alive. Their weapons are not natural, and it seemed to me as if they connected their life forces to the elemental energy of the rifts somehow, vitalizing them and regenerating any sort of damage that I was doing to them. If we stand any chase in fighting them, we need to close up that rift. And the only way to do that without a powerful cast of some sort of dispelling magic is by negating the elemental energy that is exposed there. Yet, as soon as we do that, the way home would be lost forever. But these are the puzzles I've been dwelling on for decades. I'm but an old elf, but these past 50 years here on the plane of Earth have drained the life from me more over than my other 200 years put together. I do not have a simple solution to this, and if I did, <clears throat> I would have shared it and tried to make it happen long ago. But you are new pawns on the table, and together I'm sure that we can come up with something where we can make everybody win here. Oh, I'm much more than a pawn. I'm at least a bishop. I don't know, you're pretty short. <laughs> Might be a pawn. <laughs> Me too. Right. Um, 
So, I'm, I don't know when this kicked up, when, you know, before or after you got here or how that happened, but there was a lot of, you know, elemental energy mishaps going on in the desert where, you know, on our side of the, you know, universe. Is that, is that being caused by this, these workings? Or if we stop, you know, <laughs> if we stop this rift, does that close our way home? I believe that's the way it will work, yes. Hmm. However, how did you get here? Through a... Uh, through a tower. We just kept going through a tower and gravity kind of sort we of... flew turned... upwards. It was a nightmare. Yeah, it was pretty weird. Being guarded by a bunch mm. of elementals, too. Right. There were abominations within the Dominion of Miru and Klee that seemed to be moving sentient storms of sand that ah oh yes oh yeah yeah we've seen those i the the pain on my back from the the spikes the old wounds i feel it they ache yes as we all know elemental energy is chaotic and temperamental and it probably dispensed you out somewhere on the plane of earth not necessarily acting as a two-way portal per se but connecting our two realms from the same places nonetheless now if you were to jump back into the portal there's no guaranteeing you would survive but that's that was my guess of how to, was how to get home is by jumping through now if we need to get home and also seal up the rift someone's going to have to stay behind and close it up I look at Mason. It seems that our <clears throat> destinies have perfectly aligned. Well, I wasn't suggesting it would be you. In fact, I was thinking we get one of these bird brains to do it for us. I, I look at Minerva like, I don't know if any of them can handle it. <clears throat> my place uh, is with my people, and I intend to keep it that way. Wouldn't we, hold on, if we take someone down there with us, to the portal and then we jump through and they close it off are they stuck down there and have to either you know fight their way through back to the surface that is a potential i mean that's a that's a that's a death execution right there like i don't from what it no, sounds no, like no. what if we're pretty deft with our blades i uh what if what if we were able to dispatch this miro and Klee, and then we could plan an escape you're not going to win in a fight against them, especially when they're gaining all their energy straight from the rift. They'd be back restored with any damage you would do to them. Hmm. However, if you were to destroy the rift, they would have no more source of their energy. That might be helpful. Well, then it just turns into a, a fist fight. Right. Well, they got big fists. Hmm. Tell me, what do what do Miro and Klee look like? Also, I think we keep using Dao and Genies. Are those interchangeable? Are those synonyms? What's yes? A Dao is a type of genie. Each of the four elements have a type of genie. The air are called the Genie. The <clears throat> fire are called the Afriti. 
the water are called the Marid, and of course the earth are called the Dao. Now, the Dao are evil creatures by definition. They have the elemental properties about them, as you would expect from an earth elemental. However, they are much more sentient and are humanoid. They glide along the earth on legs made of stone. Miro and Klee are interesting individuals, shall we say. Uh, <clears throat> they are not your typical brainless elementals. In fact, they are quite intelligent, which makes them even more dangerous. Oh boy. Now, Mira is the one with white hair. She was wearing a, I believe, red and gold robe when I last saw her, and she wielded a sickening-looking mace. She is evil through and through, but of the two, she seemed to have the more bubbly personality, I guess you could say. She's more interested, from what I could understand, in controlling the elemental energy of the rift for more aesthetic purposes. And her sister is much less bubbly, I would say. She has the black hair and is the more serious of the two. She's more interested in manipulating the rift to create the abominations. They enjoyed talking about themselves in our brief time together. It seemed like they had not much else to do, but... All the while, I could only focus on trying to get out of there and was also being driven a bit mad by the incessant pickaxing that was going on from all around me as well. Now, I don't know much more about them. As I said, my encounter with them was rather brief. Uh, and I, I'm sorry, I can't divulge any more information for I don't know it. Ma Mason, do you know anything else? Have your people had any experiences with the Dao? I was afraid it would come to this. Something that you all should know is that my people have had contact since our people first tried to make a living or a, a life out here in this world. As you know, the original adventurers that found themselves on these lands, much like the predicament that you are all in, had a lot of wealth from their travels. And slowly, the Dao have been exporting the wealth from us, and the wealth is drying up. My father, like all the leaders of our tribe before him, have periodically having to give up part of our wealth and leave it on the border of Obsidia for the Dao to collect, or else we would suffer at their hands. And wealth is all gone. <clears throat> Just about. Solving the food problem was one, one bit of it, but even if we had food in our stomachs, I don't know if we could stand the Tao. Eliminating them or reaching some kind of agreement would be optimal. Our lives depend on it. What well, can we... Could we revolt together against this tyrannical menace that they are? Your people and the and the Avariel? I don't know how much of the help the Avariel would be in this state. And I'm afraid of any blood that might be spilt on my people's hands. Uh, they rely on me mostly for the exploring and gathering of food for our tribe so they're much better at craftsmanship or 
cultural pursuits. But, but, but Mason, they'll die anyway. Yeah, I'd rather have blood on their hands than, you know, their blood on someone else's Not having hands. Yeah. (laughs) I must think that over. That's fair. The other thing that we should talk about, and I don't know how this is going to be resolved, but we still don't know what happened to Nicky Mub. I... He could be out there, or, you know, his body might. I don't know which one, but I think it would be worth it at least look okay so Minerva how close are we to this place where Miro and Klee dwell Mount Saizo is actually closer than you would think we've been hiding under their noses this whole time we're less than five miles away from the base of the mountain hmm. I don't know if we could take a whole day's day and a half trip back to Obsidia what is there a rush in your timeline? Uh, you know, <clears throat> I I would not, prefer to leave sooner rather than yeah, quicker. Same yeah, here. there's no there's no like ticking time bomb on the other side of the rift, but like I got things I gotta do. I got I got people I gotta take care of. And you know, technically, we're still on a foot race against those uh, passing hand members back to the mountains, but that's that's you know whatever <laughs> I, I, that's just secondary worries <laughs> at this point I've been floating down here with no mage hand for days he's <laughs> <laughs> hoping that scroll was another one huh um, man I really don't want to leave without Nicky Mub though so <sighs> so Minerva I think we're at a consensus here that we're not in a necessary absolute rush. We could take our time and get out of here because I see that may be necessary. Because, you know, we want to get out of here quick, but we also want to get out of here in the best way that we can. I understand. How about we take a small party and go and scope out their defenses at least? You know, I would love that. I've been looking to stretch these legs. Yes, same and here. I do a little, I do a little toe touch floating there in the air. <laughs> Just a little goblet with the with the cloak. All right, we we must be careful though. Miro and Klee, along with being mad scientist geniuses of their own sort, genius genies, uh, they <laughs> employ several Earth elementals under their control that serve as the patrols and the spies for them. So. Mm-hmm. As long as we're not spotted by one of them, we should be okay. We've already uh, been spotted. I what? saw one outside. Wait, you you what? I saw a pair of green eyes. And you didn't say anything until just now. Well, what was I going to say? That means our timetable has moved up significantly. Ah, nuts. Oh, great. What does that mean? Oof. What's the bad news? It means that we need to act quickly um I would like to make my way to Lord Veritas's like chamber um alright so you make your way out of the holding cell and uh position your trajectory and fly off towards the flower island yeah well no I want like where he would 
normally do his business. Is that... Oh, up on the top level? Yeah. Okay, gotcha. And I'm looking for parchment and some kind of writing. And a little gold dagger. And a, um, <laughs> and if I happen to see a gold dagger, I'll look at that too. <laughs> Give me an investigation check. Oh, please okay. be high enough. I'm like General Grievous with lightsabers. Uh, it, it, that is a 18. You find the gold dagger. <laughs> no, I found the gold dagger. Okay, well, I'm just gonna put that. Just gonna put that in my back pocket for now. Yeah. You don't find any sort of papers around the throne area. It seems like all the records, if there are any, would not be kept here. Um, <clears throat> but what you do notice are the stairs that lead up towards the dome are now perfectly unguarded. Now that you're up here, I'm just gonna go take a look. <laughs> and right. we're just we're just chilling, talking to Minerva still. Yep, uh, Mark has just kind of dipped without saying anything. He slipped out about five minutes ago. You go over, and the stairs are kind of redundant because everyone can fly, but ceremoniously they lead up in a spiral fashion, going up, following the circumference of the upper platform here. As you poke your head up, you can see that this room is lit up in a white glow, like low lit thing of a slowly pulsing kind of luminescent light. All around you see the dome above you is made completely of a mirror polished gold. As you put your head in here, you see that in the center there is a tripod of sorts that... uh, is made up of iron bars that point towards each other and in a very meticulously crafted, definitely magical kind of way, it is acting as a holding support for a perfectly spherical gray dull orb that rests in the center of it that is gently emitting, gently emitting a pulse every second or so. Cool. Um, I would like to take the gold dagger. And I would like to carve a message in Celestial on the wall. All right. Cool. The message will say, No thief, however skilled, can rob you of your knowledge. And that is why knowledge is the best and safest treasure to acquire. And then I'm going to go back down. Wow. It is and Celestial is boy. very condensing, so it's like half of what he just said. Yeah. Just the amount of space that it takes up. Uh, all right. That was epic. That was cool. Exioc, you're talking to Minerva, and you look around, and uh, Marcus is there, and then you keep talking to her, and you look around, and Marcus is still there. Looks like he never left. Yep. <laughs> like to... Uh... And that's why you don't mess yeah. with the baby platadillo. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Marcus walks back in. Yep. Minerva, you said that you know, our timeline was is a little more important now. Do you think we have a... You think we can do that scouting mission and then have a night's rest and then go first thing in the morning? Or, or the equivalent thereof? Or is that still too long? Considering what we're getting ourselves into, we should get some rest. I agree. Sounds good. You know that? Before that, that sounds great. I'd like to interject. Yes. I have an idea. 
perhaps while you all go investigate, I should return back to my people, gather those who are willing to fight, look for your friend and companion, and then return. I, uh, that sounds fine to me. I look around to see if, uh, Herrick and Nate are in agreement. Yeah, I mean, I think we can use all the support we can. Does that, uh, how long of a trip is that again? That would take too long though, right? It would take quite a while as well as, I'm a little concerned that you had never been here to explore for the aviary yourself. And I can only imagine that was because of the perils that exist outside. And I don't mean to be rude, but I don't know if you could handle three earth elementals on your own. I'm a capable warrior. I've explored Uh, these lands as long as I was a little Genasi. All right. I did not mean to discredit your reputation as a warrior, good sir. I just merely feared for your safety. And also, I would like to encourage you to come with us just in case we run into anything we're not prepared for. Hmm. You do swing a mighty hammer. I just don't see the purpose of this scouting business while my people need food. Understood. You're free to go. I'm not holding you captive. Hmm. I was really, uh, I I was really looking to Minerva to really answer that one. Uh, I'm gonna pull uh, Marcus to the side for a second. Or Mason, sorry. I was about to say. Well. <laughs> <laughs> just, have little, just have a little chit-chat. <laughs> little, little boys chat. Uh, um, look, uh, Mason, I know you're you know, mighty big and strong and big and strong, but also those are some also big and strong elementals. You sure you can make it back alone? I'm fairly confident. The sooner you problem solvers return to your lands so you can continue solving problems, the better, <laughs> right? Not arguing with that. I feel as though we shouldn't waste time, especially if we're saying that our location here in the aviary is already exposed. Agreed. Um, yeah, we should definitely head out then. Yes. I, sorry to interrupt. My fear is we will not have enough time for you to make the return journey. I pipe up and go. I uh, I second that. In a day's time for you to get there and then a day's time for you to get back, we need to already be going through or they would have already set up some kind of ambush for this area. Yes, it's only been an hour and a half or so until we, since we left that uh, the outside room. And if the Earth Elemental went home and reported and Miro and Clea were home and they have heard of everything, they've already begun fortifying their defenses. We are behind on time. Now, Minerva, have you had any interaction with the people of Obsidia? No, I did not come across them when I first landed here. Hmm. Do you know how to turn into a fox? Do I? 
know how to turn. Of course I do. A bird, a okay, bird flies okay. faster than a fox. What runs. if I? Oh no, I under I I understand that that bird boy. But what if you you have been down here resting and we are in severe need of a rest? What if you were to fly? in your owl form to Obsidia, turn into a fox, and then talk to the people of Obsidia in in the form of uh, n- the late Nicky Bub. May he rest in peace, if he is in pieces. Uh, but you could convince them and talk to them about our adventures here. And you could bring word of whatever Mason wants you to tell your people. And you could probably be back within hours. You make a good point. My spirit would feel much more assured if we could at least go and see what has been happening over at Mount Sizo. And I'm good with that too. <laughs> because here's, because, and we could do, we could even do this just, we don't all have to go. Some of us are bigger than others. I look at Marcus and some of us are quieter. And I look at, uh, 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 Hirak. I'm like, oh. you know, I really do have a good experience with not being seen. This is true. You and I could do it together. And, you know, I didn't, I actually, because of, you know, my outbursts yesterday, apologies, I look at Mason. Uh, Mason, we should talk, actually, <laughs> before before I go. But I actually have not taken any hits. I'm feeling fresh. I'm good to, for a little scouting mission. Well, if that's the case, we're burning whatever daylight is equivalent to here. <laughs> what a funny thing to say. I, uh... Well? I go to shake uh, Exiac's hand and say good luck, and then as I pull it away, there's a gold dagger in your hand. Nice! Oh, that's cool. I'm like, I'm like mm. oh, man! I, I, I put it in there and I'm like, oh, thank you, thank you, Marcus. You know, I do put these to good use. And might I say, you look ravishing in your new cloak as well. Uh, I blush <laughs> as I turn towards Minerva, and I give it a little swish. Well, it's the first time that I've been a companion with the goblin, but I'd say we would make for a fine pairing. Well, no time like the present. Let's be off. All right, Mason, you better hope I live. I need to talk to you. <laughs> we, need, we have some things we got to iron out, and I follow her up the stairs. You go up and she leads you down into the hole. You guys make your way through the tunnel out to the outside. You feel gravity once again take over. It takes a little bit for your head to get used to the blood rushing back into its normal way of circulating, but you manage to plant your feet fine enough. You see she stretches her hands and gives a big yawn and says, all right, well, grab hold. And she bends down, and her form extends into that of a giant eagle. Oh, that's, oh, that's awesome! I uh, <laughs> climb aboard, uh, putting my my legs over the like the wings, like around the head, so I'd like or does she sitting grab on her you? shoulders, like prey? <laughs> uh, he grabs on top of her, and he, she takes off in a mighty flap of the wings and she is off sailing in the air as she gets higher up you feel the gravity start to do weird things almost lifting you up again as you get to the higher parts of here where all of the floating rocks are as soon as she breaks the top of the valley that you guys are in here 
you see rising up not but a few miles away the largest mountain that exists here in the elemental plane of earth that you have seen towering nearly twice as tall as all of the other mountains here in this range is Dang. mount sizo up at the top you see parts of floating rock that come off of it almost like a giant crater that has been created and there is a ring of debris that is floating all the way around the top almost like rings of saturn stretching up into the upper limits here of the elemental plane of earth she takes a steep dive hugging close to one of the mountains and veers you guys off getting ever closer to the mountain <clears throat> she does a quick spin around and looks for a place to land and puts you guys down behind a couple of rocks <clears throat> as she touches down she very gently shifts her form and turns her body to hold you and pick you up and gently places you down on the ground as to not make any sort of impression or movement to not alert any earth elementals that are nearby she puts a finger to her mouth and looks at you you guys look up and over there is a roughly hewn path that leads through the front of this mountain here where she's laid you down and you see that there's a small opening and a hole over by the entrance to the mountain and it looks like it's does not get used very often and is not like a grand entrance of any sort more like just an opening to a cave she points to it and says that's that's how i got in i i nod she's gonna do a perception check i need you to make one as well okay i would also like to say that i left i left behind everything in my pack that is uh metal i only would bring my uh would bring two daggers in their sheaths my throwing dagger and the oh wait no jeffrey has the immovable rod dang it oh bummer all my all the canteens and stuff so and all everything else that would potentially make noise so as she after she says that and i'm doing this perception check i also take off my shoes i have i had like sandals on before but i take them off so i can move even quieter uh that is a uh 10 to my perception all right you guys are scanning around the area it is dead quiet it is dead silent the only sort of movement are shadows from up above of the rocks moving around in their spiral pattern. And as you are standing here, you see in front of the opening in the hole, probably a hundred feet away from you, there is a little bit of ripple in earth movement that just kind of passes by slowly. And she points to it and says, that's an earth elemental. He's just making his rounds. It doesn't seem like he's being seen. It doesn't look like there's anything out of the ordinary here. Okay. This is this is good. It's a good sign. I think we should wait around a little bit longer and see if there's anything else that is happening. Uh, with that, I'll like mm -hmm. nod in response, but I'll pull out a little copper wire and I'll just uh, aim it at her and I say, and I'll cast my message cantrip and in her head say, I think this is how we should communicate from here on in. She nods to you, and you hear back in your head, feels good to use magic again, doesn't it? Indeed. I really do need to get out more often. <laughs> uh, so you, the, you said the ripple went away from us? Yeah, it looks like it was just passing by and didn't ever make a like stop or anything, or if it's like anything more than just a standard patrol guard that would be detecting if anything came within 
a mm. uh, certain radius of it. I'm going to go ahead and move uh, towards the door stealthily, uh, tiptoeing with my... Um, in one hand, I'll actually have a, a small length of rope, and in the other, I'll have the wire in case I need quick communication. But I'll move towards entryway. Minerva motions for you guys to tiply, or quietly tiptoe when you feel... The ground starts shaking underneath you. She quickly pulls your arm and yanks you back over. <clears throat> you see above the ground there are two earth elementals and a different type of creature in between them that are coming in from the opening in the valley uh, where you guys just flew in from. And you sneak and hide behind. She looks over and says, That's a Miro. And... You see, striding towards you above the ground are the two green earth elementals with Miro in the middle of them. You see she has <clears throat> legs that are made out of rough-hewn stone that don't even move as she goes forward. She's not taking steps. She's just gliding along the earth cool. almost as if they're connected by the ground. Cool. She has a head of white hair and has these giant, almost like Harry Potter-like glasses that she's wearing. And her robe is red with gold stripes on it. And you see on her waist, she has a giant diamond-studded mace that is like way bigger than someone of her size should be able to carry. But she just wears it like it's no problem. And I need you guys to both make a stealth check. Okay. This wouldn't happen to be with advantage, would it? Why would it be? I don't know. Got got a new cloak. Just wondering. Oh yeah, does the cloak give me any special properties? You would have to attune to it for that. Oh really? <laughs> I don't know what that means. You have to you have to hug it for an hour. <laughs> yeah, feeling circle. Okay, but actually, Brad, explain it real quick. It does not give you any effects. Right. Okay, but attunement is that something that I should know? Attunement means that you're basically equipping an artifact with 5e rules you can have up to three attunable items at a time and you have to spend an hour or a short rest attuning to a item that requires attunement in order to use its properties but then you get the knowledge of its properties uh on a minimal level and sometimes there's deeper properties to something in which case you'd have to use identify or you can hand it to me and i can tell you everything in 10 minutes Like a, I can tell you, much. like, I can do it too. Yeah, see, I, I don't have that spell, so, okay. Here's mm-hmm. my stealth. Uh, 11 total. Ooh, all right. Uh, it's a natural one, though. Oh, buddy. Yeah! Oh. Why does this oh, happen to me? Literally, I was ah. talking so much smack about my skills, and I level a one. I have a plus 10! <laughs> plus 10! <laughs> all right. Here's what happens. Minerva yanks you back under the rock and you see he's she's breathing heavily and she's trying to put her hand over her mouth to stop from breathing so loud. And you can see that she's been pretty much calm, cool, and collected since you've ever met her. She is stricken with terror in this moment. Okay. You see that she is like making moves to like try to make her run for it or like looking for her options and you can't help yourself. You have to get up to get another look at these people. So you peek back up over the rock and you see they are making their way in front of you, not more than 20 feet away, walking back 
towards the mountain. <clears throat> now, you take a second to stop and think to yourself, the other earth elemental just was gliding through the ground. In fact, most of the earth elementals glide through the ground. Miro and Klee probably live in the ground with the same ability. Why would they be walking on the surface? Okay. And then you see as they pass, they have two ropes tied behind them. And you see in each of Miro's hands, she is leading behind her two prisoners. One, a Genasi with spectacles, and the other, a gnome. And that is where we're going to end the episode. No. No. Oh my word. <laughs> Mickey Mom is alive! What? Oh my gosh. Dang nabbit, my stupid crit fail. Good thing they're preoccupied or something. I don't know. Thank you, Brad. Or maybe yeah. it's whatever something else saw me or something. We'll see. We will pick. Uh, so I should say, as you see them, you let out an audible gasp. Ah! No. So. Okay. The gasp is the result of the natural one, and we will see the results of that at the beginning of the next episode. Okay, okay. Mm. Dude, st stupid rogue can't do rogue things. What is wrong <laughs> with my dice? Okay, I did want to talk about one thing before we get into the patron shoutouts. We updated our Patreon page. Now there are three tiers instead of just the regular two. And there is a new thing, a new service that we're adding on top of being able to get the shout out here at the end of the episode and access to all of our afterburners and extra content. We are now launching our own uh, Patreon server. So uh, it's going to be a Discord server where we can come and uh, talk together as a community about different things. You can interact with all of us. We're all gamers. We're all on there pretty consistently. And uh, personally, I've been into Among Us pretty recently. So if you want to come play Among Us on the Discord server, uh, yeah, hit us up. Become a patron. It'll be great. All right, here we go. It is time for my favorite part of the episode. We are going to be shout out our patrons, our denizens of Yetzira. Uh, last, they were getting ready for a mayoral debate because that's a thing. So starting off, of course, with Meg the Manic Pixie. Meg was last seen in a deadlock with a pufferman in Derek's tent. A loud noise and a short squeal emanated from the tent. And two minutes later, Meg wrote out of the tent on her new puffer monk friend, Stacy. Flying is overrated. <laughs> and we have Keith, the former captain of the Destoon Fire Brigade, has a last-minute chat with his advisor. Stick to the talking points and it'll be fine. Keith straightened his bolo tie and stepped on stage. Ooh, exciting. Joe, the scrawny Goliath, doesn't have much interest in local politics, yet he feels he should be there to show his support for the democratic process. However, as the candidates take the stage, his mind is clouded by thoughts of his family curse and desperately... He wants to put an end to it. Maybe he should tell someone. <laughs> uh, Derek, the one-eyed lizard folk from nowhere, lost Stacy the Puffer Monk to the Manic Pixie. He <laughs> finally made a friend, and now he was gone forever. Sad. Derek was sad. Maybe the mayoral, mayoral debate would cheer him up. He went to the debate with an open mind. Hey, that's all I can really ask for, you know? Yeah. Sophie, the former official Destune tour guide, was shook by memories of Karen. She woke up this morning and had to decide which hat to put on. Not the tour guide, detective, nor monk hat today. She dusted off her debate moderator hat and stepped outside to fulfill her solemn duty. <laughs> Casey, the wandering gypsy from Trashboro, is still shocked from his vision. His head is still foggy and he feels the need to talk to someone. He takes out his speaking stone and makes a call. Ooh, dot, 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 dot. <laughs> 
Tyra, the half-elven sorceress from elsewhere, walks onto stage for the debate. She is up against Keith. She sizes up her opponent and his bolo tie and takes a deep breath before giving her opening address. Noah, the desert paladin of charismatic swagger, has full faith in the integrity of Keith to win this debate. He takes a deep breath as Sophie shuffles her papers around and clears her throat to start the debate. Noah hopes that this debate will mean the beginning of a new era of the tribe of Destune. For glory and honor. And of course, swag. And swag. Taylor, the know-how drow, is on the other side of the stage, having just sent Tyra, her candidate, onto the stage. She locks eyes with Noah, and they share a moment of mutual understanding before going back to being sworn enemies. Taylor has a plan in case things go sour, but it won't come to that. All right, here we go. The debate has begun. It will be performed by us. Uh, I'm throwing Matt here on the spot. <laughs> I didn't tell him about this part. So we will be, uh, I will be narrating and Nat will be doing all of the voices in his own way. Here we go. Sophie begins by asking the candidates. If you were the mayor of this tribe, how would you deal with the upcoming food shortage? A tough question to be sure, but Keith was ready. He responded. A bucket of food for everyone if I'm elected. A mild cheer. Yay. Went up from the crowd. Tyra responded. Well, we're almost out of food, and we are soon to be doomed unless we get help from outside. Immediately, the crowd began to panic. Ah. Sophie tried to get everyone to quiet down. Hey, 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 quiet, everyone. Quiet, everyone. <laughs> Sophie is now from Brooklyn. It didn't work. <laughs> Joe stood up. Hey, everyone, have some respect for the democratic process. I've got just enough issues to deal with. Everyone quieted down instantly and stared at Joe, who is usually the scrawny silent type. <laughs> Sophie asked. Would you like to elaborate? Oh, no, no, wait. Would you like to elaborate? <laughs> there we go. Joe panicked. Uh... He was rescued by Meg, the manic pixie who laid her eyes upon the horizon. She rode Stacy up Joe's legs and sat on top of his head. Look, everyone. Roughly 500 feet outside of camp, a brightly colored giant swolifont was quickly approaching. A swolifont is like an elephant, just extremely <laughs> swole. On top of the swolifont was a large tent that was vibrantly colored. As the swolifont reached camp, four figures emerged from the tent and slid down the trunk one by one. Ooh. Uh, first was Liz, the rogue elven princess. You could tell she was a rogue princess because as soon as she landed, she told everyone. Hi, I'm Liz, the rogue princess. <laughs> These are my traveling companions. Uh, we're from the Eastern Aragat and bring entertain entertainment and supplies. She took a silver dagger out of her sleeve and threw it at a bag uh, hanging from the side of the swolefent. It landed with a thud. Angelo, the strong, silent turtle type, did a barrel roll down the trunk. Do a barrel roll. He rolled his eyes at Liz and lumbered over to the bag. He grabbed it and threw it 22 feet to the crowd of the Destiny Knights that had gathered. Out spilled a bit of dried cabbage. Meg rolled her eyes. Great. More cabbage. <laughs> and Dakota, the exotic herbalist, herbal specialist with air quotes, smiled at the manic pixie. He assured her that it was spiced and gave her a wink. Meg doesn't understand social cues, so the subtle meaning was lost on her. Dakota has a wild nest of hair. And upon closer inspection, a small desert owl can be seen roosting in there during the daytime. Huh. And last, but certainly not least, the leader of the troop, Chad the Chad, slid <laughs> down the trunk on one foot. He took a little look around the new tribe, 
gave a coy smile, greased his hair back, put on some shades, and greeted them with a simple, saw dudes. <laughs> Chad has ripped off sleeves and looks very cool. The standoff between the newcomers and the Destiny Knights will be discussed next week. Also, uh, these are getting to be a lot, and we really love and respect all of you wonderful patrons, but we may be shaking up the format next week. We will still be including everyone, of course, but we're going to try a new thing. If it doesn't work and it crashes and burns, I'm sure you guys will let us know. We're going to try it once, and then we'll see. But mm -hmm. uh, thank you so much. Thank you so much to our patrons. Mm -hmm. Of course, uh, camping in the Aerogat, being rescued by four newcomer, four new patrons who have decided to support the channel. So uh, very, very grateful about that. Mm -hmm. uh, on top of that, I want to apologize a little bit for the lateness of this episode. There were two corrupted files. My audio and Casey's audio were both pretty much fully corrupted. So I had to do some pretty heavy handed uh, audio like file recovery. whole process took. I don't want to talk about how long it took, but the point being happy that it got it out happy that we're here the afterburner will be up uh for our patrons of course and just for the fun of it i am going to shout out uh for those two of you who are still listening to this my little brother's youtube channel that just started it's chris hamilton music you can go and look it up he does covers of songs and he asked me to share it on social media but i don't use social media super often so i'm doing it with uh, the place that i actually have a voice so here we are Go check out my little brother's podcast. Or no, I have a podcast. He is his a music. Yeah, yeah that, that's the one. Uh, brain dead, palm sweaty, mouth <laughs> No think. Yep. All right, Matt, you got anything to say? Uh, just the usual. Uh, shouting out my buddy, the Fagamdafald. Ah, of course, the Fagamdafald, everyone's yeah. favorite. Mm -hmm. All right. Hey, thanks everyone for staying tuned. We will see you next time on Fire and Dice. Bye.